Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now, Cody Willis, if I pronounced that correctly. And Awesome, and he is the a writer for Morbidly Beautiful, and we're about to find out all about Morbidly Beautiful and what it inv- what it takes to be a writer for them. So, how you doing, Cody? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So glad to have you on. I know when I first booked this, you were really excited. You said you're a big fan of mine, and I'm so glad yeah. that we can make this happen. Absolutely, man. Me too. Yes, absolutely. So the first question I got for you, how did you get your, like, how did you start, get your start into writing for horror websites? Yeah. So I kind of like, I mean, my writing history goes back to when I was like 12 years old. Okay. Um, always wanted to write horror. Um, but I knew that while I was writing novels or scripts or whatever, I needed something to kind of do to hone my craft in that meantime. Right. And one of those was I was a big fan of the website Dread Central. Mm-hmm. And I reached out on like a, a total, you know, not knowing if I'd ever even get a response. Mm. But I reached out to uh, Steve Barton, known as Uncle Creepy. And he was the, the owner of that website and the creator. And I was like, uh, I, I kind of want to be a better writer. And I kind of want to get better at this. And I was wondering if I could maybe do some writing for you. And he was very responsive. I heard back a day or two later and started writing for them. I did a couple of interviews. Uh, The one that I was most proud of was when I interviewed Tony Todd. That was the, that was a big deal for me because I had contacted Tony through like social media and that is where I really didn't expect to hear a response. He's a very busy person. And I heard back within a week and he was like, you know, I'd love to do it. And I got a call out of the blue one day and that iconic voice of his, Hey Cody, this is Tony Todd. How you doing? I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like, but that was amazing. And that's kind of where I got my start was uh, writing for dread central for a while. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tony Todd. I mean, a lot of people know him from Final Destination, you know, but he is the candy man, of course. Always. Like, how can, like, yeah, he, he, it was, first of all, he was candy man before Final Destination. Seeing him in Final Destination right. what just made that movie so much cooler. It was, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I loved him as William Bloodworth. He, I mean, if yeah. there is not a role that his voice and intimidation and presence is for, it's to be a mortician. But oh yeah it it definitely was candy man for me uh you know i th- that role i mean it's still i actually recently showed it to my girlfriend i showed her some clips from the original for the first time and she was just like wow what like this is amazing so definitely yeah. incredible yeah that's amazing yeah because he, he just his presence alone like he like a lot of people when you just look at them and hear them talk you immediately mm-hmm. get intimidated. And he's one of them people that intimidates you. Absolutely. But I heard he's just, the, you know, like the nicest person yeah. when you meet him. And then, but like for him to take time out of his really busy day to talk to yeah. me for a little bit, that blew yeah. my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the same thing with like, you know, interviewing any interview with anybody, like even if they were in an eighties film, like 
they might not be filming even actively anymore or, you know, doing conventions on the regular. But the fact mm-hmm. that they take time out of your schedule to do an interview to discuss a movie that was popular and big, you know, 40 years ago and is still going yeah. on today. Yeah. Amazing. It's truly incredible to see that. And I love that because that really shows how much they appreciate the people that got the things. And I yeah. think that's really incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, right. sure, yep. sure. yeah, I had Terry McMinn on earlier today. She was my first mm-hmm. interview today and uh, from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And she she, you know, it took her 35 years just to she told me this to get, you know, comfortable with watching the movie and her scenes because she thought she did a really bad job and all that. Like like she did amazing, but she she didn't realize how big it was back then. But how 35 years later and counting, you know, probably more than that now, you know, and it's mm-hmm. the fact that it's still a big cult classic. And there's a, a lot Absolutely. of movies like that. And the fact that celebrities take the time out to show their fans. And I mean, we don't make much money from these podcasts, if anything at all, you know, and the fact that we, you know, we do it because it's like nostalgia factors. Like, you know, Absolutely. I'm a fan. I love the movies and I love hearing about it. I, I don't care mm-hmm. about the money. I care about talking to this, you know, these people about this stuff. Right. And, and it's, it's just a genuine like conversation when you can be that mm-hmm. fan yeah. and still have like, and like a legit conversation. That's how it was with Tony. It was yeah. just like, yeah, I'm a super fan boy for sure, <laughs> but it was really difficult to keep my composure when mm-hmm. it's someone that you've really admired forever. Yeah. But it was so worth it just to to have yeah. him chat for a bit. Amazing. Absolutely. I, I remember my first interviews, I go back and watch them. I cringe so hard. The audio was shitty. The video was or I didn't even do videos back then, but the audio was shitty as hell. And uh-huh. and the fact that like he listened to me talking to them and like I like I have that echo in the background from that studio apartment I used to live in and you know and just the fact that like I'm kissing their ass like they're freaking god or something it's like yeah, I'm thinking yeah. geez what was I thinking <laughs> that's what it was like I, I went back and I listened to the audio recording with Tony and I'm just like god I really hope like I didn't just ruin any future I might have had as a writer doing interviews but <laughs> I, looking back now, I think I've improved a lot, but I, I look back fondly now learning from that. But it was awesome. Regardless. Yeah. And everybody, um, everybody like starts somewhere, you know, looking back at your first interviews and adding it to the, you know, most recent interviews, you know, that you've done, like it, you can always see the difference. You're, you know, just from your equipment alone, your audio gets better. If you add video, oh, yeah. you have a good video, you know, a good camera and you, you just, you, you know what questions to ask, you know how to like kind of, pace the interview like there's things you learn that you just learn as you go right yeah i mean that's the only way you can do it and i think it's the best way to do it is trial and error absolutely so how did you get the job to write for morbidly beautiful and what is morbidly beautiful to begin with so morbidly beautiful is like is a is a horror site they do reviews they do um interviews articles everything and i just sort of like was in this uh I, I guess it's been i guess in the last two months is when i started okay. writing for them i was just looking to flex that interview muscle again because i hadn't mm-hmm. done it in a while and now i mean like this beside the stuff that i've done for dread central i've interviewed a lot as weird as this stuff, a lot of cast members from power rangers okay and 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 i had like uh kind of gotten off that to focus on my own stories and what i was trying to do and get projects lined up and i was just like well i need to try this again and i decided to just uh 
contact some of the people of sites that I already admired. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't hear back from a few of them, but I was very fortunate to hear back from Stephanie Malone, who is the editor in chief of Morbidly Beautiful. And she was, you know, very eager and positive in giving me a chance. And I had the options of like, I could do like have assignments like from Morbidly Beautiful to do an article or interview, whatever. But I kind of already had several ideas in mind. And one of those was to interview a YouTube, uh, a, a horror YouTuber named Dr. Wolfula. Okay. And uh, I think he's incredible and I think he's incredibly underrated. Because mm-hmm. like, when you think of horror YouTubers, you think of like, you know, James Janice from Dead yeah. Meat and, yep. you know, things like that. But, and those are amazing, but I, I like the underdog channels. And yeah. Dr. Wolfula is the, is the brainchild of this guy named Sid McClanahan. And uh, it, he, he dresses up as a werewolf in a cloak with a pair of aviators on with one lens missing. And I'm just like, I, I, I got to watch this guy. And I, I've reached out to him on YouTube and he responded within like 10 minutes and accepted the interview. And I did it with him. And that was my first piece published with them. It just got published a couple weeks ago. So I'm working on a few more now. Um, Yeah. It's, it's really incredible, but I urge anyone to check out more blue beautiful because it's, I mean, it's up there among the best sites you can check out. Absolutely. And I know uh, I, I interviewed James Janice already. Great guy. He really is. And uh, it, maybe even after, after this interview, uh, we could talk, uh, you know, a messenger again and you can uh, get me, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Wolfila's information. Even I would love to have him on the show. Totally. That. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love giving every, anybody exposures. Like I, I don't mind. I don't, I could have the A-list stars and I can have the indie actors that not many people heard of to give them exposure. I, th- I believe in that. And I believe that everybody deserves to be exposure. It's not all about the views and all about the ratings and all that stuff. It's always about getting people out there, you know, for sure. That's yeah. what drew me to your, to your show in the first place is because yeah. I found out about you through your promotion of stuff like the Sawyer massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, through Steve Merlo, the writer and director of that film. Mm-hmm. And I was very fortunate to be a props master for that film. And nice. uh, I, I started watching your videos. And I just thought you were incredible. And I think you're a really great voice for particularly indie horror. I think you're Thank incredible, you. man. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I love helping out, you know, as much as I can, because I believe that, you know, every like I where would I be if I didn't get my start with people interviewing me, you know, or people doing interviews with me, like, Oh, you're really a nobody or whatever. Whereas like, I believe everybody deserves to have that voice. Like if like Steve Merlo might reach, you know, for the story massacre might reach, you know, God knows how many people, a lot of people, but there might be a couple of people that are in my viewership that maybe he didn't, they that don't know about the Sawyer massacre and the, sure. you know, it, it brings people to of everybody of my demographic to other projects. And I think, and that's for everybody like Greg Gilbert with Python's paradise. He has his own demographic where people listen to, you know, we'll find out about people from his show and all that as well. And mm-hmm. that's the good thing about, about podcasts. There's, I mean, anybody can do them. There's, there's millions of them out there, but, uh, but right. um, you know, you, everybody has their own demographic and their own viewership and their own listenership. And, you know, the more interviews you do, the more you get out there. And I think that's what's great about, you know, podcasting in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's something I've thought about doing. Um, it seems like a really large undertaking in my mind, but yeah, um, it, it's, you know, 
I learn a lot from who I watch the podcast, like, like yourself, you know, like right. I watched you and I learned from that. And I've watched yeah. people like James Janice and Dr. Wolfie. Like those are the people that you learn from. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's really inspiring. Absolutely. I, I mean, I've been doing this since 2016 and I've, I most recently found my niche on, on how to really do a, and conduct a proper interview. I would say within the past two years, <laughs> so probably well, since COVID it's, started. It's, what better time to hone your craft? <laughs> I know, right? Because all my interviews were over the phone. I'd be sitting there with this very shitty microphone, holding the phone to the microphone for an hour, for a half hour to an hour, however long the interview is, and just be and sitting there. there. My arms hurting me. <laughs> yeah. And then there. I'm like, you know what? COVID hit. Let's do freaking Zoom. We're in the 21st exactly. century. Way better idea. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the 21st century. Let's do Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so um what is your favorite type of like topic to write for in the horror genre do you prefer doing interviews do you prefer doing articles review movie reviews what do you prefer doing honestly man it's it is and always will be uh novels and and okay. screenplays always nice. um that's where it got started when i was 12 i discovered goosebumps and like, that's kind of like what did it for me and obviously moved on from that to Stephen King. And yeah. I mean, I know that's a cliche, but I mean, it's a cliche for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, it's just so incredible to see something like that. But like, yeah. you know, I do things. I, I mean, like, OK, let me put it in perspective for you. I fell in love with Stephen King's work so much. Mm -hmm. My youngest child's middle name is King for a reason. Nice. Nice. But, I mean, like, but I mean, yeah, I mean, people like that. I mean, it's just incredible. And I'm, and I'm really okay. discovering more of like indie horror literature. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'm reading this really great like slasher book right now called Clown in a Cornfield. And it's just like freaking amazing. But nice. yeah, always going to be novels and it's always going to be screenplays for sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, when you think of horror, you think of Edgar Allan Poe and all that. But there's the godfather of horror, of Stephen King. And he was my inspiration as well. Like, he really is great between it and Pet Cemetery. you know, Children of the Corn. He's just he, Cujo. He's a freaking genius. The Shining. I can go on. And Absolutely. On. I mean, for me, like my my favorite book of his that, that I've read is is probably The Dead Zone. And I don't hear people talk about that one as much, but I freaking yeah. love the dead zone is amazing. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> really yeah. good. And yeah. I'm currently reading uh, his book, Duma Key, which is really good oh, nice. so far too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Stephen King, he's, he really is like the godfather of hard, of hard, right. you know, writing. Like he really is. He's, he's great at what he does. And, uh, right. I, the one thing I always thought was Stephen King, you might disagree. I don't know. A lot of people uh, I, I've seen say the same thing is with Stephen King. Like he's, he's great at writing. His books are great. They start great. You know, the, the middle is amazing. It's like, Oh my God, what the hell? And then he ends it so shitty. Now, oftentimes that does happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it doesn't happen with his stories. Cause it does. Yeah. Um, like, you, you've got ones that end really well, like Pet Cemetery. That yeah. whole book is perfection. Yeah. But, but like, I felt, felt like things like, and I think I see it more prominently in his short stories. Yeah. And, but like Children of the Corn, 
Yeah. But like it, but yes, you're right. A lot of them end so poorly. Even the dead zone ended yeah. poorly, and it's my favorite book of his. Right. <laughs> yep, I, I agree. Um and, and I, I think that when they do his movies, that they don't do them justice because I think they shy away from Never. the actual intent of the of the novel. Like absolutely. It is a big one, I believe, right? It it's the shining. Very. The shining is another one that they, they didn't do justice. Right. I mean, even by King's own admission, I mean, he yeah. despises Stanley Kubrick's version of that film. Yeah. And then to have him in the 90s go back and rewrite the script and have Mick Garris directing it. Now, that to me seems like an amazing idea because I love Mick Garris. But mm-hmm. like at the same time, that movie was also garbage. But like <laughs> it, but but I mean, he has his moments like, you know, you got the 91 it with tim curry iconic as pennywise love the whole cast in that movie of the losers club particularly with like you know tim reed uh in the role as you know but like it i think even in the you know the 2017 or you know whatever the dates were for the the two-part with bill Mm -hmm. skarsgård i like that they got a lot more in from that really Mm -hmm. huge novel yeah but but at the same time, I think a lot of it was missing the heart of that novel because at the root of that mm-hmm. whole story, it's a story about friendship. Yeah. It's it's stand by me with a killer clown. I mean Right. Exactly. <laughs> and from my from my remembrance, he wasn't always a killer clown either. I don't think they really incorporated no. that in the 2017, 20, you know, the the Yeah, he he two. took many forms. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, from my understanding, from what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it, but the 1990 film, you know, whatever it was uh, of it, like he had the many forms, whereas he didn't have that in the recent versions of it, which kind of lacked that. Right, like, I mean, they tried to do it a little bit, like in the original film in the mm-hmm. 90s, they didn't do the scene where Pennywise took the form of a leper. Right. But they did that in the 2017 and they did that scene well, but then they cut yeah. out a lot of other things that I was really excited to see. So yeah. who knows? And, and then now, like, the whole book is getting a TV series. Yeah. Um, so so I, I'm excited because I think because of it being a series, yeah. they'll have more time allotted to them to thoroughly yeah. do that justice for sure. Right. And I mean, like <clears throat> you mentioned, it is a huge ass book. It, it, I mean, exaggeration wise, it's probably 600 pages. <laughs> no realistically dude i think it's about 1190 really? something page yes wow. yeah I, I i it's been a while since i read <laughs> it but it, it's a huge ass book huge it's enormous book. man yeah so the fact that they didn't get that you know i mean the series i think will do it better you know a little better of just right you know, more justice with it it can get more information in especially if they're hour-long episodes and they have season one which might be like 10 episodes right there's you yeah. know 10 hours of content right there and minus commercial exactly course. exactly <laughs> so i mean i'm looking forward to that more than i am the the scars yeah. guard movies not to knock scars guards performance because i think he right he he definitely brought that psychotic side of the yeah. character out, but yeah, for sure, yeah. I'm excited about the series. Definitely, sure. and the same thing with the movie. With the movie, it can only be what like between an hour and a half and three hours max, because not many people yeah. want to sit in a movie theater even for three hours to watch a movie. So I don't like, care how devoted you are to the character in the story, right? <laughs> right. But with the, with like you know the TV series, you, you know, one hour each week for you know ten weeks, you know. You right, know, right. With commercials taking out about 36 minutes, I mean, you still get 36 times 10, and you got a crap ton of time left. 
Exactly. And, and what makes that exciting is it gives me something to look forward to on a <laughs> weekly basis. That's how I am <laughs> with the Chucky series. Yeah. I love the Chucky series. Yeah. It, yes. I'm loving Brad yeah. Dourif in that. And I love that yeah. Fiona Dourif is playing Charles Lee Ray. I mean, I think it's yeah. great. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. It's really good. And if you didn't know, uh, the flashback scenes of Charles Lee Ray is actually Fiona Dorif in makeup. Yes, that's yeah, amazing. I do, and I think I think it's incredible because I have never seen someone's child look so much like their father in my oh life. My God, I know <laughs> that was that was especially a daughter, and that was really good. right. That, right they, i think she nailed yeah, it <laughs> she does she does now i understand that they voiced him over you know his voiceover for it but sure it's, it, but i mean she's not going to sound like him obviously but she looks uh spot on spot yeah on. there's no way for someone to be like man that's not really brad Dorf. pretty darn close though <laughs> right yeah absolutely so do you have a specific style or research or way that you write your articles um, I think a lot of it, honestly, man, comes from if it's something that I'm choosing to write about, like I'm mm-hmm. a, like a lot of times with Morbidly Beautiful, I, I could choose what I want to write about. Yeah. Um. So like if it's a subject I'm super passionate about and I mm-hmm. already am thoroughly knowledgeable, then I've got a good core of what it is. I might I'll do research like on certain things, like mm-hmm. pinpoint certain details. Right. Um. Like, you know, a big thing is, is that I really want to do a piece on a band called Ice Nine Kills. Okay. And they're a metalcore band from Massachusetts. Uh, and, and they've been around like 20 years, mm-hmm. but they hit their biggest stride in 2018 when they released nice. an album of songs, each song based on a different horror film. And the album is called The Silver Screen. Nice. And... It was just this incredible album. And last year they released uh, Welcome to Horrorwood, The Silver Screen Part nice. 2. And it's incredible. And it's a band that I think more horror fans need to be aware of because I saw mm-hmm. them last November. And they changed their wardrobe with yeah. each song to coincide with the movie they're singing about. Nice. And it was just a fun atmosphere. So things like that. I'll do certain research. Um, typically it's the front man, Spencer Charnas, that you know does a lot of the publicity. I mean... It would be amazing. Like he's on my bucket list to interview, but to pick his brain. But as far as research goes, if it's something like I'm assigned and I'm choosing to do it that way, Mm -hmm. then I'm definitely going to do more research, but I'll typically write down my core basics of something, Mm -hmm. then develop my opinion on each piece of that. Mm -hmm. And then see where I'm at afterwards. Sometimes like if it's, if it's a movie that I've never seen or haven't seen in a long time, then I'm going to watch it, take notes while I'm watching it. And then after I make the notes, wait a day or two and rewatch the movie again without taking notes because okay. that keeps me fresh. It keeps me in that moment. And okay. then I can sit down and hammer it out. But yeah, that's that's my process when it comes to writing articles. Nice. Nice. That's stuff. awesome. So <clears throat> which horror film or franchise got your start into becoming a horror fan? And uh, what is your current favorite horror film and franchise? Yeah, so for me, it is and always will be my favorite franchise. And that's Halloween. Without a doubt, Agreed. it's going to be Halloween. Agreed. It, I'm a Michael Myers elitist. Nice. Um, uh, I, was um, I don't think you are. You're wearing a Freddy Krueger shirt. <laughs> because the Halloween one is in the washer right now. <laughs> I couldn't wear it. Plus, man, it's like 98 degrees out here, and the shirt that I would choose to wear is purple, and I would sweat through that, and that wouldn't look good on camera. Yeah, agreed. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, 
so yeah i'm wearing my dream warrior shirt right now yeah nice. but yeah. but no like i, I was yeah. 12 my dad showed me an edited version of halloween um and i was just glued to the screen and because it was on tv so i didn't get to see mm-hmm. you know pj souls topless or anything until much right. later but like it was amazing but um to see that movie because even at 12 I could understand what John Carpenter was trying to do with mm-hmm. his script and the character of the shape. Mm-hmm. He, I felt so unnerved and like the ending when Loomis shoots him and then he, he looks over the balcony and he's gone and the music starts playing. I was like, as soon as the credits rolled, I was mm-hmm. like, huh, I've, I've got to like do this myself now, like forever. Like I got to be involved in this genre in some way. Yeah. So here we are now, 16 years later, yeah and 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 but i think current i don't know man because i think a lot of horror films today i will see horror films weekly my girlfriend and i have shutter we will watch Mm -hmm. five horror films a week and we pick them randomly so it's more fun for us like going into it blind um and i'm liking exposing her genre more so that's a lot of fun but like yeah recently i'm trying to think of a movie we saw recently was i know it's kind of old school to say this now and like old the taking of deborah logan okay messed me up <laughs> and the autopsy of jane doe i didn't nice. sleep that night after watching the autopsy of jane doe nice so i mean things like that and then like series like horror series are yeah. really big right now doing really well and mm-hmm. like chucky yeah and i think like the one that I was really enjoying was on Netflix, James Wan's uh, Archive 81. Okay. Um, scared the hell out of me. Nice. And, and it takes a nice. lot to scare me. That, yeah. that show scared me. And then it mm-hmm. gets canceled after the first season on a cliffhanger. So I'm like extremely upset. Yeah. But yeah. Th- 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 yeah, for sure. Have you ever seen this the Netflix series? Now the first three of the seasons are on Netflix. The fourth season is on Shutter Slasher. Okay, so I've seen a little bit of Slasher, and I know that the new one is uh, you know on Shutter now and, and things. But yeah, I need to sit down and seriously watch the original, mm-hmm. particularly because there's an actor in the original that I really like, names uh, name uh, Brandon J. McLaren that mm-hmm. I. Uh, I really love his great Canadian actor. Fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, seeing things like that for sure um, was, was really good, but it's on my bucket list. I actually added it to my shutter list. Nice. Like, like three weeks ago, just so I could keep it fresh in my mind that it was on there, you know? Yeah. I love that series. I didn't really care for season one. Now I watched it backwards. They went from season. I went from the top to the bottom and it turns out that was season three was the top and season one was the oh, third no. one on the list. I was like, damn, but they, they don't, they don't matter. in, in cause it's like, it's kind of like American horror story. Each season is about something yeah. different and all right. that stuff. Um, and it's like, kind of like scream. Cause you don't know who the killer is. It's like Friday the 13th because yeah. uh, the deaths are so creative. Um, but right. I love the one on shutter. That was, one of my that was probably that's that one and the second one with them in the in the winter in the cat like on the campground or whatever that those two are my favorite yeah you know i really dug uh rl stein's uh fear street series on netflix too i haven't seen that yet believe it or not i need to see that you need to man it's pretty good a lot of people give it crap because like they're like oh the second part the one that takes place at a camp 
uh, is like, oh, it just didn't do it for you. I'm like, freaking awesome. Like, it was all fantastic. <laughs> like, I loved yeah. it. So, I mean, definitely check it out, man. Love yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Oh, Slash is really good, though. I, I love it. And I mean, season four, you can't go wrong with David Cronenberg being in it. <laughs> oh, David Cronenberg's in it? That's awesome. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. Yes. He <laughs> plays the patriarch of the family. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. God. Like, you can't go wrong with freaking David Cronenberg. Never, man. Never. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I looked at him. I, I was expecting now. This is how like I wasn't thinking like this movie, this f- series is like 2021, 2022 ish. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'm going to see David Cronenberg from like Jason X days. But that's freaking 22. <laughs> you got a 20 year gap there, man. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, my God, he got old. How did he get so old? I'm like, oh, wait, this is 20 years <laughs> later. <laughs> All that body horror will do that to you over the years. I know, right? Oh, but yeah, David Cronenberg being in it, it's beautiful. Um, you def- definitely check that out. Um, that one's on Shutter. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, right. Another Godfather of horror, right there. Like, especially oh, one hundred percent horror, the body horror. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fly, the fly. Yeah. I don't recommend that if you're new to this genre and never seen a horror movie in your life. Work your way up to the fly. Yeah, yeah, the you know, fly, and scanners uh, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I have a funny story about something similar. Not really similar, but um, I was watch. Um, I I was kind of new to horror. At the, I mean, I wasn't new to horror, but I was like just I was getting back into it after years of not really watching it much. Um, and right, I was right. in co- I was in like my first semester or so of college, and I moved to this apartment, and all these like birds would like be like on my uh, on my roof. And when you go, when I go out of my door to go down, they all at the same time swoosh over your head. And it's like, holy shit, what the hell is that? And uh, so I, I told my, my college professor that, and he goes, he goes, go watch the birds by, uh, by yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. And I'm like, mm-hmm. huh. I said, I think I'll do that. I, I haven't, I, I didn't watch horror in a while. I guess I will. Let's just say I was terrified to go out of my apartment anymore. <laughs> that movie I mean, for a movie, we're talking about man, the 50s or 60s. So, yeah. for a movie in typical Hitchcock fashion, is going to disturb you and make you have thoughts that you probably never thought you would have and wished you didn't. Oh, yeah. And, and the yeah. birds will definitely do that to you, just like Psycho would do it to you. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing about Psycho. I, I, <laughs> yeah. To this freaking day, to this day, when I'm in the shower, I'm still opening up my curtain, making sure nobody's coming out at me. To this day, <laughs> to oh, this man. day, like it terrified me. Like just the thought of being killed in your shower, where you're the the most vulnerable. You're naked. You know the it's wet. Exactly. So, like, you know the sli- you, you, you got nothing to grab onto. Like I mean, like I mean, and it's worse <laughs> if you're the only person in your house. Yeah, then you're really paranoid. Yes, that's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh man that's awful man <laughs> oh i know it is it, it, to this day it gets me um so the last question i do got for you is basically about you to promote anything any projects articles social media accounts websites links to your morbidly beautiful page anything else to the listening and the viewing audience yeah so right now like i said earlier um we wrap filming on the sawyer massacre mm-hmm. uh a prequel fan film to Toby Hooper and Kim Hinkle's original. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, that's coming out in October. The world premiere is going to be out in Texas in August. Nice. Um, but definitely go follow the Sawyer Massacre uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, e- everything. Like, it, it's truly amazing. And Steve Merlo is one hell of a talented writer and director. Mm-hmm. And our leather-faced uh, Scotty Parkin, who I've roomed with for 16 days. I was living with Leatherface. Right jolliest happy person you'd ever meet in your life until he puts that mask on but definitely go check it out for sure um uh, i'm gonna be working on a a fan film sequel to halloween 3 season the witch okay the Uh, third channel the third channel michelle blasky's uh uh film uh wonderful person she's just this incredible Mm -hmm. delight and to be able to be a part of a halloween film in any capacity is a dream for me um but doing that um then if you want to check out my stuff on morbidly beautiful absolutely look me up under cody willis morbidlybeautiful.com uh you know social media wise i don't have anything strictly for my own writing yet i keep being told i should but i haven't yet (laughs) um but you can find me on facebook uh at cody willis and on instagram at willister 94 um And, you know, I'll be doing some more stuff uh, for more of the beautiful. I've got a couple articles lined up that I'm working on now. Interviews, everything. And, you know, thank you guys for listening, checking out my stuff. And I really appreciate the support. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for uh, taking time out this evening to do the interview. Totally, Scotty. Thank you, man. Not a problem. You have a great rest of your night. You too, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.